How you doing, everybody? This is Joshua Guyton from the Facts Over X podcast. Today's episode got cut a little short due to technical difficulties. So we're about five minutes short of your favorite hour of the week. But still, please stay tuned in for a great show. And without further ado, Facts Over X, episode 46. What's up, y'all? Have a seat. It's your favorite hour of the week with the Facts Over X crew. Ziv Nation, it's great to have y'all out as always. Uh, we know y'all not quite here yet. So we're going to start off the way that we always do. How's your weekends been, man? How, Chris, we saw you was back out uh, back out in the city or or rather turning the Connecticut party into a bit of the city. Tell us about that for a second. Oh, man, it was lit. My band Tay came down from the city. Um, he always out here, actually, but he came out there and they was playing the hustle songs. Nobody was hustling. So we started hustling and everybody started asking us. How do you hustle? It's like, where you? they thought we was in a frat. They asked if we was in a frat. My like, no, we're not in no frat. Don't cry no more. <laughs> no, we're not in no frat. He was like, oh, okay, because I'm an undercover cop. I was like, don't say that no more. Don't say that no more. Oh, what? He said he was an undercover cop. We was like, please. They said they wouldn't let him cross because he's no. a community college. I, th- I think he was saying he was an undercover capper. Yeah, I told, and then we broke it down like why you not supposed to say stuff like that. So it was right. funny we kicking it with the DJ jump. Like, they was feeling it out there at CT. They was, they was. They hey, was listen, like, teach, as, us, teach us. As as a very active member of Kappa Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated, we do not have any quote unquote undercover capitalists. That, that is not. That is not. If you talking about somebody on the DL, that's a different story for a different time. It's a different story for they, they in every frat. That's a different story for a different time. But undercover, I don't know what they, this ain't undercover, brother. This ain't what, no. what's going on, no. bro. Come that's on, what. Man. That's what we basically told him. I told him it's a lot of people that feel real disrespected. You said that and he exactly, like, bro. And that's why I broke down for him, man. Yeah, well, I appreciate it. Guys, how was your weekend, man? What's going on with you? Uh, another chill weekend as always, man. Just, you know, grinding towards my craft, streaming, working on working on getting the content together, man. Man, Ziv Nation, can we give a round of applause for Guy and his skills? Like, if y'all <laughs> go try, watch his man, first video on YouTube and then look at him now, bro. I remember he was playing Simpsons here, rug, kids, <laughs> or Road Rage, Simpsons Road Rage. Guy used to be on there. On there, you know, it's not embarrassing, but it, it's not embarrassing. But you know, despise not humble beginnings, but it, ooh, that beginning was humble. You understand me? That beginning was extra humble. Bro didn't just take a slice of humble pie, he took the whole, the whole joint, the whole joint with him in those, uh, in those first episodes. So, we about to get into it, but before we do, we got to introduce the money man, the man with the plan, Chris Allen. How you doing, man? Right here, right here. And then we got the master, the mix master, Josh Guyton in the building. How are you? That is I. I'm in the building. And you got the little old MC. That's me, Kenton Gibbs. Also, folks, I'm gonna be uh I'm gonna be tonight on uh locked on now. We're doing the uh the March Madness. We're doing some recaps and all that for the tournament. I'm gonna be representing the ACC because if you don't know, I went to North Carolina State University. But we're gonna get into this rundown now. Because we got a we got a packed show. We got NFL free agency. We got the trade deadline. We got injuries. We got lots of injuries, and it's not to the people you would be expecting to get injured. So we gonna get into that. We got Blake Griffin point shaving, which you know we got. We, we have two very adamant Pistons fans here, and we are highly upset with the product that Blake gave. But also, when you look at the whole picture, 
maybe Blake wouldn't point shave. We'll get to that. <laughs> uh, the, the Patriots done paid everybody in their mama. If you ever picked up a football in your life, the Patriots ready to throw you a meal mm-hmm. right now. And then we're gonna we gonna get into, you know, as the shirt said, they love our culture, but they don't love us. So we're gonna we're gonna talk about loving the culture, but not loving the coaches. Is, is that that sound good to y'all? Sound good to me. I'm with it. So first of all, apparently triple B's stand for brittle bones, brothers, because <laughs> Uh, Lonzo has had his injuries throughout his career already. LaMelo will not finish his rookie season, ladies and gentlemen. He is done, broken wrist. He is out for the season. Is this something that y'all saw coming? Or is this like a, you know, it's it's the game, injuries happen? Or And is this something that you expect? Like, you know what? If I hear the, the name, if the name is an L ball, they're going to be on L bench <laughs> or in L training room. <laughs> no, no, um, y'all know I'm, I'm a huge proponent of the ball family. Those are my guys. But um, I think that Lonzo's and LaMelo situations are different um, because we've seen a history of players that's had injuries similar to Lonzo's lower extremities when it comes to basketball players. And that's a matter of maybe your training isn't the right way. Maybe you aren't mm-hmm. moving the right way. Maybe your body isn't just built for that kind of season. And that's something right. that that could be a long term issue for a player that's having those kind of injuries. I think in the case with LaMelo, that was just kind of like a freak accident. That's not something that's going to happen every season. We rarely ever see, you know, like wrist injuries and things like that in the NBA to begin with. And Very I think, true. I think the true. bigger picture that we can take from this is um what LaMelo did after the injury. We didn't know the next day until the next day that he was injured. So the toughness that he showed and the fact that he still went out there and got a couple of buckets when he was essentially playing with one hand showed us how tough this kid is and how he's going to be able to make an impact in the game long term. Right, right. Chris, what you thinking, man? What you think? Does this does this give you does this give you a this is who he is, this is who the ball family is, or this like this a one off? He going to be all right. No, to to my knowledge, this is Lamelo's first serious injury. He's had a couple of little, little sprains and tweaks here and there. Well, I think a lot of the reason he came back is because he got a mentor, and he even said it. He called him Unc. He got Michael Jordan in the front office, and when you got somebody like Michael Jordan in the front office, it it, it holds you to a different standard. I feel like Lamelo went back out there and kept playing, knowing he was hurt. Because it's like I gotta I gotta put on for Michael Jordan. You know what I mean? Like I play for Jordan's team, so. Let me do what I got to do to, you know, keep keep the Jordan name, keep the Jordan aura about the team. Even though it is the Charlotte Hornets kids. I see your face. I see your face. Okay. I, I, but, hey, listen. All, go, go ahead. Go ahead, man. But, I mean, hey, I'm, I'm happy for him. He had a great rookie season, even though it's ending with – I think he's going to be far better than Lonzo, even though Lonzo's starting to get his stuff together now. But, I mean, I think I think LaMelo's going to be all right in the league. He's going to be all right. I, I see it like this. Like Josh said, the wrist injuries are extremely rare. That's In the NBA, you don't see a lot of that. This is not a, a contact with your hand sport to where, like, like football, you hey, any injury that occurs, you're like, yeah, it makes sense because you're running into another grown man full speed. It makes sense. Basketball, not exactly that same level of physicality and all that. So it's it's a little it's a little different. Uh, but with that being said, the the fact of the matter for me is – this injury doesn't really do much for me in terms of thinking about uh, Melo. However, I do want to beg a question about why all these young guys keep getting hurt. 
I don't think we've ever seen young guys get hurt as at as prolific of a rate as we have right now. Last year, Zion came in, broke his foot immediately. Uh, before that, you had Ben Simmons and Embiid who were injured every year consistently, very young ages. And even with some of the other, uh, uh, what's the name, what's that young man's name? Um, John Morant has yes. struggled with some injuries as well. And it's, it's really starting to beg a question. What is happening with these young players that their bodies are just a week right out the gate? I have an actual answer for you. I um recently watched a very short documentary with um he was Michael Jordan's trainer for his whole career. He worked with Kobe and D Wade in their primes. I know you guys are familiar with Tim Grover. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at the time that he worked with those athletes, they hardly ever got injured. And the reason is he said that uh NBA players don't work with weights anymore. And weight mm. is uh is is solid weight. You can't change how much weights are. You can't change your workout. If you're working with weights, those weights are going to stay those weights. And especially right. in the past ten years, a lot of younger players have had repetition at a lower level. Where, for example, Lamelo Ball, he's been a man on his team most of his you know life. John Moran, mm. like that, they've been a man on the team most of their life. So when they're not getting a lot of contact and they're not getting a lot of repetition with you know, 250 pound grown man bumping against them. And they're doing these workouts where it's basically repetition and they're doing resistance training. You're working with the bands. You're doing a lot of stretches. Yoga has become more popular with NBA players. You're doing things like that. So the further you go away from weights, your body's not going to be able to take that wear and tear when you're in an 82 game schedule and you're going down low and you got Joel and B throwing elbows at you. It's nothing right, that can prepare right. your body for that except lifting solid weight. And a lot of players don't do that anymore. Mm. Man, mm. I just went to medical with that. <laughs> exactly. And I'm and I'm used to I'm used to hearing folks blame like the AAU cycle and like the you know the 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 wear on players' bodies now, especially the top players. Like if you're an elite player, for example, like the uh the young man Mikey, I want to say Williams. Is it Mikey Williams? Yeah, Mikey. yeah, yeah. Mikey Williams, he's he's been known for playing three, four games in basically two days for like what six, seven years now. And he's only 18. Like that's so I I've heard a lot about that contributing, but I haven't heard as much about not lifting solid weight. I did not know the players weren't lifting weights anymore. That's embarrassing. Yeah, that's embarrassing. That's that's not really it. I mean, if you look at players in the NBA where you see their workout routine and weights are a large part of their routine, it really comes down to players like it's usually elite level players. Giannis, LeBron, they're known for lifting solid weight. And if you look at their injury history, it's not one there. Well, okay. So who's your who do you think is now the rookie of the year or has LaMelo done enough to where if everybody else just stays the course for where they are now, he's still your rookie of the year because we had a similar controversy with, uh, with Zion last year and yeah. that he didn't play as many games as job, but there's no argument about it. When he was on the court, he was better than job was last year. Right. So what are you, what are you thinking as far as rookie of the year goes this year? Um, you can't give it to LaMelo as much as you want to. And he's by far the the most effective rookie out of this class. You got to play at least, you know, 75, 80 percent of your games to win an award in my eyes. The, he's out the rest of the season. Uh, and I don't think we've even reached 50 percent of the games. I think we're around like game 32, 33 and it's 72 in total this year. So um, with that being said, I think you got to you got to give it to to Tyrese Halliburton. You gotta give it to Cyrus Halliburton. No, you gotta actually, give it to, actually, uh, we had we had we had forty we had about forty games because I think the Hornets 40? are 
Yeah, around 40 games. Around 40 I, games. I still don't think that's enough. I don't, still don't think that's enough games. Nah, I, I think you got to give it to Tyrese Halliburton or you got to give it to uh, Emmanuel Quickly from New York. Because that, I, I don't think that I don't think that, um, you know, making the playoffs or having a big impact on your team. Gibbs, I see your face, but hear me out. I'm listening. listening. I don't think that winning a lot of games or having a big impact on your team is um, essential when it comes to winning rookie of the year. But I think to uh, just seeing how much how much output you're having on the court and putting up decent numbers is is more essential. I know we're seeing Anthony Edwards on a rising right now. But I got to see that on a more consistent basis because his free throw percentage is still pretty damn. His field goal percentage is still pretty damn low, and he started to have an outburst over the course of the past few weeks. But I have to see that on a more consistent basis before I before I get handed to Anthony Edwards. Okay, Chris, Chris, who are you thinking, man? I'll tell you what. I think Anthony Edwards got off to a slow start because of his comments he made before the season started. People really questioned if this kid likes basketball. He put a target on his back, saying basically, "I just do this because I'm good at it." So he kind of put a target on his back to start off the season. So I honestly, honestly think Anthony Edwards is just now taking form. And I think he's going to be rookie of the year because he's 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 lighting up the stat sheet. He's him and Towns combined for 40 each, 40 plus each. That's the most of any rookie this year, I think. So, I, I mean, I mean, he's, he's showing athleticism. He's showing some leadership and says D-Lo down. The, the Timberwolves are at bottom of the West, but they've been bitten by the injury bug and COVID. And Anthony Edwards has been playing. He's been playing basketball, averaging 14 plus a game. So, I mean, I don't see any other rookie. Yes, those rookies you named are having a good season for a rookie year, but they're not as impactful. They still come off the bench. Edwards is starting right out of college. So, I guess we all forgot about James Wiseman. Like, he just no longer – he took I, a couple I, games off no, because of COVID protocols, I, and now he don't exist. I didn't forget. It just – This just, man – who uh, – so I want to ask y'all this. Who is the second option on the Warriors if not James Wiseman? Who is the second option? Kelly Oubre? It ain't a second Wiggins. option. <laughs> It's not Toscano? <laughs> Toscano? Wiggins. It's Wiggins. You talking about you're talking about an impactful rookie. He again for Biggs, it's a little different because when Biggs come in the league, literally just doing the little things right, even if you don't get a block, finding a way to redirect guys at the rim. Right. Interior protection. That is an underrated. That's why um uh what's his name? Uh uh what's the 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 the, the stifle tower? Rudy Gobert. That's why Rudy Gobert is making all the money he's making. Statistically, he is not one of the best shot blockers to ever play the game. But for the game right now, he is the best rim protector in the game. And he's getting paid like the best rim protector in the game. James Wiseman brings rim protection. His rebounding is a little shaky. But his ability to space the floor and his ability to put it on the floor as a five, as a true five now, this ain't like a, a stretch four who just happens to play five because Draymond Green is six, three and a half. No, this man is a legitimate five, averaging 11 points while shooting 37% from deep on a team with Steph Curry and Kelly Oubre jacking up everything he can touch. To me, there is there is no doubt in my mind, if everybody stays the course, Anthony Edwards has put on highlights. He's put on a lot of exciting things. But a lot like we had this conversation off camera earlier. Chris Humphreys, right? Chris Humphreys was not an exciting player by any means. 
but he got the job done. If you say who was the better player, Jamario Moon or Chris Humphreys, you're going to say Chris <laughs> Humphreys. But if you say who was the more exciting player, Jamario Moon. Jamario Moon took more risks defensively and threw down some wild slams. Am I, I think, am I wrong? I think we're a little bit too deep in our bag, man. I'm trying to th- I'm trying to think of a Venn diagram of our listeners that know who the hell Jamario Moon is. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. That's a good point. That's a good point. Listen, listen. Long story listen. short, uh, uh, Jamario Moon was basically somebody who ran sprints and jumped really high every now and then. That was literally his whole game. You know the dude you get on 2K on your team in a fantasy draft because he is 72 but got a 99 dunk. That was Jamario yeah, Moon. That was Jamario Moon. That was him. So... Uh, again, who who is the better player between the two right now? If I look at all the things that they bring to a team, I would say James Wiseman. But Anthony Edwards does make the much better highlight out here baptizing dudes, and it ain't first Sunday. So you know it, it's it's disgusting. It's disgusting what he's doing. What was you saying, Chris? I mean, the reason why I go Edwards over Wiseman is because Wiseman's production is going to be skewed because. He's playing with Draymond Green as a ball handler, Curry's a ball handler, Oubre's a ball handler, and Wiggins also is a ball handler. Wiseman doesn't get as many looks as Edwards is going to get right now. For sure. He's not. For he's sure. Not. So, I mean, Wiseman long-term, I think he's going to be sensational for the Warriors if they plan on keeping him. But, I mean, right now, I got to go Edwards. But to, to me, that's the argument for why James Wiseman is my player, rookie of the year. Because it's not just about the, the volume that you produce – it's about are you efficient when you're asked to produce? Don't get me wrong. Edwards, as of late, has been on a tear. But early in the season, that boy could not hit the ocean from the beach. He was just <laughs> he was throwing averaging, up whatever. He was averaging whatever. 14, though, man. He was averaging 14. But he was throwing up whatever. Wiseman started off the season shooting 40% from deep. Like, this is – it. at the end of the day, I, I, I'll tell you this. I would not be upset if, if Edwards uh, took it home. But I think that um, I think that the exclusion of James Wiseman from the conversation for Tyrese Halliburton feels a little disrespectful. <laughs> hey man, Tyrese a little disrespectful. He don't get the shine because because he over there. He don't get the shine because he's over there in Sacramento. But Tyrese been hooping, man. Quickly, I can feel you. Quickly, I get it. Like okay, he's playing really good ball. I was praying. Guy, he didn't say Maxi. I was praying. He didn't say Maxi. No, no, I'm not. I'm not going to. Man, I would have walked off this show. I'm not going to take it that far. I would have walked off this show, dog. That would have been the end of it. That would have been the end. Of it. So, all right. So, so in moving past the rookies, because we we started this thing off with Lamelo and his injury, and so now we're gonna get to a guy who has been Mister Durability for years, almost as long as some of our listeners has been alive. Uh, if you could drop Nachos, drop for it. No, nah, I'm just playing. But um, <laughs> for the, LeBron has been uh, the the epitome of consistency of health of doing everything he has to do to play the game. And now high ankle sprain, he's expected to be out around a month. So let me ask you this. With this injury, what does this mean for the Lakers? Are are the Lakers still seen as the best team in the West? Are they still a contender? Um, Do you think that they'll be able to do anything in these games without both him and AD? Um, do I think that the Lakers will have enough productivity in these games without LeBron and AD? No. I mean, they'll win a game here or there. They won't be an absolutely awful team, but they could go, you know, around 500, a little under 500. And I don't think it'll make that much of a difference. Um, if you look at the Western Conference, um, the Lakers are currently in third place. 
the game behind them are the Clippers. Game and a half behind them is Denver and uh, Portland. So the Lakers could slip down to about seventh, maybe sixth, um, and try to avoid that play-in tournament. But I think by the time the playoff playoffs get here, uh, LeBron and AD will be healthy. And I don't think, uh, regardless of what way you slice it, I don't think that this is going to have a, a long-term impact on the Lakers. Let's say if they slide in at six at the end of the season, they'll likely get the Clippers at three. We know they're going to beat the Clippers. They, don't get me wrong. This may be a little bit of a... If you're looking at the Western Conference, I don't think any way you slice this, the level of fatigue that the Lakers have to go through will be any different. So you can go and you can get the Clippers in round one, and then four or five, you're likely looking at Portland or Denver. So these are teams that they would have played anyway in the playoffs. So I don't think it's, it has a huge implications on them if they're a healthy team. Right, right. Chris, what you thinking, man? All right. And I'm, I'm looking at the overall scope. Last year, LeBron AD got break championship. Okay, so right now, I feel like this is good for them because LeBron was pushing it by playing every game, playing 38, 39 minutes a night, mm-hmm. and, and being superhero while AD was out. Now, let's take let's do the math aspect. LeBron projected to miss 16 games. AD's projected to miss 12 to 14 games. I think the Lakers win maybe five games out of those 16 games. Maybe five. And, and five being two of them with AD. Was there because if you look at the Lakers roster, it's really set up around LeBron James and AD. Like the roster is pretty much useless if you don't have those two. You can't name any other two players in the league. You could put on them team instead of them two, and that'd be a good team. Like you literally cannot. Like that team is strictly designed for LeBron and AD. So that being said, I don't see them winning many games without LeBron and AD. I still think they go deep in the playoffs, even if they see the scary Clippers first. Y'all know how we do the Clippers on this show. Though, but, uh, <laughs> Clippers yeah, slander I, will I, always be in the all-time high. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I I, I, I give I give the Lakers to still a shot to, to go to the finals, but this is pretty much to me giving LeBron and AD some rest, honestly. And hopefully right. they come back and not be hobbled when they come back. I mean, do you really look at that year as do you really look at that year as a break? I know a lot of people, Mickey Mouse ring and bubble and all of that. Do you think the Lakers had a break in last year's playoffs? Absolutely no, not. not. I'm, I'm He's talking like about a, the layoff because of COVID. He's talking about got the you, got you, got like you, the rest, okay. the rest that they got. Yeah, got rest. you. Okay, okay. So, so I I'm gonna have to disagree with y'all here only for one simple fact, right? The NBA right now is in more of a uh, championship or bust mode that we've ever seen before. All the teams are set up for just that. Either you're going for a championship or you're full out bust. There's about three teams that I think are in the middle, all of which are in the West. The Pelicans, they're not a championship contender, but they're not bust yet because they they're have, built. They have the blueprint. Yeah. Exactly. The Mavs, they're not in championship contingent, but they're not bust yet. Um, and the Raptors. The Raptors are the other team in the East. They're not championship contenders, but they're not bust yet. We'll talk about that a little later. (laughs) But with that being said, when I look at the games that the the Lakers have coming up, the Pelicans for next game, first, first, or sorry, that's their second game without Brown or AD. I'm gonna just say this. What was what was Professor Calamitous? Was that his name? The guy from uh Jimmy Neutron that couldn't finish anything? Yeah. This is the Professor Calamitous of NBA teams. Everything that they do, they cannot finish to save their life. They I'm not I would not be surprised by a win there. 76ers, 
there without Embiid. Ben Simmons is a ticking time bomb as well. If ben, if Ben Simmons can stay healthy, sure, I could see them beating the Lakers. But also, that team without Embiid is not the same team in any way, shape, form, or fashion because Embiid being a five who can shoot as well as he does is essential to Ben Simmons getting his, his shots off. Ben Simmons is a point guard that's going to take other point guards in the post. And guess what? He can do that because the big was out at the top of the three and he could knock that down at a high clip. Right. Without Embiid, are we sure the Lakers don't have anything for him? You build a wall at the rim. What can Ben Simmons really do there? The Cavs. The Magic. I, Cavs, y'all sold me. I don't want to hear nothing about the Cavs. <laughs> I want to hear nobody tell I was me nothing say, good you, you about was, the Cavs. You was high they on the Cavs. They, I, I was high, and then they were like, yeah, we're not going to play Kevin Love, and we're going to trade Jerry Mag- uh I mean, Andre Drummond. Y'all be safe, though. Like, what? Come on now. And then after that, you got the the uh, the Bucks. Sure. Good team. Take it L. Kings. Man. I, so, and, and that's just the first six or seven games. Even after that, you've got a lot of good teams, but you have some teams in there that are going to be pliable. So, I'm telling you, just in that five, six games alone, you saw four, three or four that are easily winnable for this Lakers team, even without LeBron and AD. And then you bring it back a, a healthy AD toward the end. You look at the last three games or the last four games, you got Knicks, Hornets, Jazz, Mavs. And that's over a 12-game stretch. So at the end of the day, I could see, I could see this, this Lakers team still holding steady because all year we've been saying, oh, the Lakers got this going on. They ain't going to hold steady. Oh, they got ADs out. Oh, they... You know, Brian can't do it by himself no more. Brian does it by himself. Oh, well, you know, they they got, you know, Paul Gasol. I mean, Mark Gasol can't, can't go no more. Oh, Trey is too little on the inside. They still find a way. Right. They still been finding a way. So all I'm saying is if they if they break 500 out of this stretch, I have no doubt in my mind they're going to repeat as champions. And, and that's – I have, like – that's not me overreacting to this or anything – but you're telling me that a team without two generational talents, two of them at the same time, not on the court in any way, shape, form, or fashion, they're going to come out five, like 500 against the best teams in the league in essence? I don't know. I don't know. So let, let, let me ask y'all this. Let me ask y'all this. Is this the beginning of the end for Brown, or is this just like a, eh, it's life. It happens. It's an ankle sprain. Yeah, we, we've all had ankle sprains. It's, it's not is is you have a, a talent that's that generational. It's not um, a nagging injury as simple as a, a ankle sprain that's going to stop stop their path. Right, like it's, right. it's it's just not going to happen. We've seen players too great come like we had. We didn't see Jordan get a major injury and he came back at age forty and was number one in MVP voting before he had a knee issue and then that's when his game started to decline somewhat. We saw Kobe at age, what, 36, drag his thing to the playoffs. And then uh, something as drastic as an Achilles did that. An ankle sprain is not going to stop LeBron James. Fair enough. Fair enough. What do you think, Chris? Oh, no, man. I mean, it's a lot worse that could have happened to a 36-year-old. You know what I mean? For sure. And the numbers he's putting up still at 36, even if he was to decline a little bit, he would still be a top five player in the league the way his numbers are. You know what I mean? So... I, I love the the uh, LaMelo saying he don't look up to him. I love that, first of all, <laughs> But I love even more Brian getting the dunk 
And then literally putting a picture on Instagram where Melo's looking up at him like, <laughs> the, smiling, the petty, smiling, the, it's smiling, smiling too. Yeah, the petty, you you have to respect the pettiness. You have to respect it. It it just must be. So there's there's that. And we talk about LeBron being a generational talent as far as all these different things. And and you show him against juxtaposed against a Blake Griffin, who was a generational talent at one thing, and that one thing deteriorates with age. The one thing was his athleticism. He was uh, Vince Carter in a 6'10", 250-pound body, and now he can't jump anymore. So right. uh, he's he's a little bit out of it. However, on these Brooklyn Nets, his first game as a net, he finds a way to get his first dunk since 2019. Mm-mm-mm. Last time that man dunked, we were not in the pandemic. I want y'all to think about that for a second. Last time Blake Griffin dunked, we had a different president. <laughs> like last time Blake Griffin dunked, I'm I'm pretty sure. Wait, let me make sure that I got this right. Last time Blake Griffin Never dunked, mind. you had hair, Gibbs. You didn't have to go there. Oh, <laughs> you See, this this what I get for trolling in the comments on the page all the time. I had that coming. I had that coming. So, yeah, but you know what, though? You're right. Last time, last time Blake Griffin dunked, I actually had a semi-full head of hair. And you actually, I had a full head of hair. It's just the hairline wasn't exactly. You it's running know. in the corner. It happens to all of us. Man. Exactly, exactly. It was running to the corners like uh, Kyle Corbin. <laughs> it, was, it was tough. It was tough. So, uh, with that being said, is this a situation where people are overblowing the importance of this dunk. Because it was a rim grazer now. It was a rim grazer. It wasn't like he he cocked back, you know, did some nutty and, and just yammed on somebody to where you like, oh, that's going on the poster. So is is this situation being overblown or is it like legitimately, wait a minute now, Blake, how did you muster this up in your I, first game? I think the answer is yes and no. I think a rim grazer dunk from a dude that's six foot nine, six foot ten is a bit overblown. Um, we shouldn't read that much into it, but what we should read into is his explosiveness off the first step, which we hadn't seen in the first time. That first step that gets to the dunk was pretty explosive. And if you have a guy that has somewhat of an outside game now and can still obviously finish at the rim because he's a professional basketball player, when you're in a playoff game and you're on the court with James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant, that First step, those kind of cuts right there could be pretty essential to to getting a guy like that open when he's cutting baseline or when he's, you know, getting a cut to try to get open for a three. I think that's what we need to look more into. And if Blake Griffin actually starts to add some mobility to his game, we need that. We I don't know. We need the hit court or something like Detroit got some money old or we got to get some games back or extra pick or something. Call Judge Judy. Call her. <laughs> Call her. Because I'm sick of it. I'm sick. No, but 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 you know what though, and I, I'm a I'm a I'm gonna give it to you after this, Chris. But honestly and truly, we got to talk about a few things with this. Number one, the overall stat line for the amount of time played. Number one, <laughs> I mean, what we got two points, two rebounds, and one block in 15 minutes. I don't. I mean, yeah, like yeah, the dunk is cool and all, but like that's it, like. Oh, okay. And then even beyond that, 
Who did he beat on that play? Was that Robin Lopez or who was that? It wasn't Robin Lopez. It was one of those. um, But he he plays for the Wizards, so I know he doesn't play good defense. He was was a big for the Wizards. It was one of them Ron's badge catch and shoot uh, (laughs) European players. I don't know, man. I don't know. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I rest my case. Of course, your first step look elite against them. Our first step would look elite against them. Bradley Beal has openly talked about how bad this team is at defending. I, I'm looking at the comments. It was Robin Lopez. It was Robin Lopez. That's <laughs> why I made that brown face when Guyton was talking. When Guyton talked about that first step, I said, Robin Lopez? You made it first. You talking about... Uh, not 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 a game, not a game, not a game. But it was, it was more. It was more people between him and the rim. No, nobody stepped in there. That's an easy stop. That's an easy stop. It's Got the it. Washington Wizards, bro. That's true. That's true. The, the Wizards <laughs> allow 140 points a night almost. At one point in the season, they almost allowed 140 points a night. Bro, if you saw the Wizards on the schedule, you was looking like, oh. Oh my god! Hey, get the, the sweet rolls. Hey, get them. Uh, get the get the wet wipe napkins. Get them. No, joints. no, no. You, you see the, the wet you see, If you see the wizards on your schedule, you wake up that morning and say, "I'm gonna eat my weeds tonight." It might be a hey. career high. It might be a career high tonight. It Ooh, might let be me a tell you, a, a stingy defense. You look at them like like you look at when you wake up that morning like you got some fries from Steak and Shake as a Christmas gift. Like you just. Man, damn! What I'm gonna do with this? I don't want to eat this. This is nonsense. You see the the wizards? Oh, that's Flemings. That's that's Benny Hanna's for free. Extra garlic butter. Oh my god! Give me, <laughs> give me all that. Give me all that. I need it. I need it. Uh, with that being said, man, I just I I really don't see what the hype is. Like, yeah, it's one dunk, sure. Yeah, it's his first dunk in two years, sure. But like, it's against the Wizards. Come on, man. Come on. True, true. If he did that against a team that's known for for their rim protection, that's known for their defensive rotation, do it against Nate McMillan's Hawks. Do it against the McMillan led <laughs> Hawks. Then I give some props. Now, I think the bigger question here is, um, have we seen a bigger fall from grace in NBA history? Last time we saw Blake Griffin fully healthy, he was an MVP candidate. Mm, mm. So the the only fall from grace that I'll say was this rapid and maybe this bad was... Whew, and I, I don't want to go to him because everybody knows who... But Sean Kemp was yeah, probably that's, the, that's the, the only, only one other one. Of. That's probably the only other one, man, because nobody else, even if you look at the bigs who, like, blew up out of nowhere, like Big Baby Davis, Tree Rollins, all those guys, like, they were never, their ceiling wasn't that high to begin with. So it's like, oh, you went from being like a, yeah, he's he's a good role player to like, "Ah, he's the end of the bench. Like, he he makes a good veteran play here and there. But, like, he's, Blake Actually, 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 I got a guard. And, I mean, it wasn't that fast, though. I was going to say Brandon Knight. Brandon Ooh. Knight dropped Ooh. pretty quick. He was good one season. He averaged, I think, 18 a game. Then he went down to three quick. But his, mm. his ceiling, one, his role changed. One, his role yes. changed. Yes. That's why two, I say it's iffy. Two, his ceiling was also, his his ceiling was like solid starter at best. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And well, he wasn't going to be a see, starter on the championship team. I do he see a good one here. What about, what about Noah? Joe Kim Noah. Oh yeah, yeah. Defensively though, No Kim never lost it though. Defensively, but that's that's the thing though. He went from like he went from like oh he's an anchor of your team like you need this type of guy to like 
His you last, his, his last year in Chicago. His last year in Chicago, he was top five MVP voting. I think he was number four that year. That's that's what I'm saying. He went from that to like he gonna give you some good defense every now and then. Don't I don't ask he got, nothing offensive. I'll bet he wish he got that Gobert contract. He he was so mad. He was probably <laughs> punching the air when he saw that Gobert Boy, contract. He went straight trade from Boys in the Hood when he saw that. He just was livid when he saw that contract, man. That's disgusting. That's but but now when we look at a fall from grace, it's all it's often precipitated by, like Guyton said, a change in role. Another right. thing, possible change in teams, right? So we're looking at the trade deadline coming up uh for the NBA. Although there haven't been many names in particular that have been active in like, oh, he's gonna get bought out, he's gonna get traded, yada 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 so far. The, the trade deadline is Thursday. We all know it's coming up. What teams do you think will be buyers and what teams do you think will be sellers at this uh, midway point? Okay, so I'm I'm going to go ahead and spearhead the sellers because the buyers is, is kind of iffy, especially with the way contenders are looking right now. It's not really a lot of contenders that are, that are in a position to buy at this point mm-hmm. in the season. A lot of teams are max on contracts. A lot of teams are really like half their, like you said earlier, this is a win now league. A lot of teams have their identities like pretty much formed as far as like who they are headed into the playoffs. But I think right. um, three teams in particular that we're going to see um, sale right now is San Antonio. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw LaMarcus Aldridge and DeRozan out of there, which I think would be good for both sides. I think they could both help to, uh, help contenders. And I think that uh, giving Popovich a chance to rebuild the Spurs team is one, going to be great. And two, we'll get to see his coaching brilliance because I still think they're going to make the playoffs regardless of the situation. Oh, stop. Oh, oh, stop. They're what, 7C right now? Stop it. I think they make the play. If you trade LaMarcus Aldridge and uh, and the DeRozan, that team doesn't get better. That team doesn't get better. I don't. I don't think they get better. But I think with Popovich and the way that this team is currently operating, I think they I, they definitely make the play, and I think they have a chance at the playoffs. Pop is is milking every bit of talent that that he can get <laughs> out of this team. He is milking every drop, every point, every assist. He's milking it. He he. I don't knows, know. He, he knows how to coach, man. My my favorite basketball meme I've ever seen. It was a few years ago. But do y'all remember the memes that was like um. Bay come over and the dude be like, I'm busy, and she'd be like, But I'm home alone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the best way I know the one was, you're uh, talking about too. It said, uh, uh, Pop come over and he said, I'm busy, and it just said, But I'm a second round, highly underrated uh, European player, and he's like, I'm on my way. <laughs> <laughs> it was the meme of him running, uh, running up the stairs. Yep. Oh my god, it's out of control. Yep, so, out of control. Um, so I, I think San Antonio is one team, I think that, um, the Raptors feel like they're in a position to possibly retool and try to make something out of that roster. So I think they'll be able to get a piece for Laurie. Um, not exactly sure what. Not exactly sure what. And then also we got rumors this morning that Aaron Gordon was looking to get out of uh, Orlando. So I think Aaron Gordon is going to help a contender. And then also once Isaac is healthy and once Fultz is healthly, I think that'll put Orlando in a position to possibly get some picks out of there or to get a younger player to where they can form like, you know, free young identity. Free, free yeah, yeah, we need to get Vuce out of there. We need to get Vuce out Please. of there. Please. His talent is unmatched. <laughs> and like, honestly, honestly, if he was in Orlando, we might be discussing top three big man in the league if he was in Orlando. Let's that's, be that's real. True. Let's that's be true. real. I, Let's be real. I think I think even if he was in a big market, I would look at him as top five, top three. It's still that's still a tough nut to crack. Yeah. You got 
Jokic and B Cat. That's that's a tough top three to crack. Right, no, right, no matter right. how you slice it. I get it, but I'm just saying if he was, if, let's say he was on the Lakers right now, while AD and Brown was hurt, he might be averaging thirty and fifteen. He might be averaging hey, thirty and fifteen. Hey, if we, if we go talk about memes, you know the the new meme, oh boy, that's always sweating with the glasses. Yeah, bring me that. Rob Polinka <laughs> need to go down to Orlando. Bring me that, <laughs> Mr. Polinka. Your contracts are almost back. Bring me. That center, because I, I mean, who wouldn't want to have a Vucevic on your team, especially right now when bigs that are good defensively and on the boards are so scarce. That that feels weird to say, don't it? Like all these yeah. bigs want to shoot threes. It's weird now to see bigs that are like, yeah, I can play the post too. That's no problem. All right. Like it's like, wait, what? You can? That's a thing. <laughs> okay, but yeah, that's okay. All right, Chris, who you think is going to be selling, man? Who you think is going to be buying? What you thinking? Oh well, I think the Lakers should go by. They should Palinka needs to get on that phone before Thursday and he needs to make something happen just just to have some insurance because you don't want to play with that Achilles with A D. You don't. Like I get it, he's not serious yet, but if it becomes serious, you don't want to play with that. And you don't have much longer on LeBron. I even though LeBron hasn't slowed down a lot, you you don't ha- you don't want to waste any years with LeBron right now. Any year right. that LeBron is there, you want to try to make that a championship year. So I think they should they should go ahead and release any assets they have right now and try to go get something to I mean, just just some insurance. I, I I don't think I should argue with professional NBA team doctors, but I think anytime an Achilles is in the conversation, I think it's serious. We've seen a lot of yeah. cases in the NBA where they say, like, hey, it's something with the Achilles, but it's not serious. We'll let it rest. And then first game back, something goes wrong with the Achilles to where it's more drastic. <laughs> Kevin Durant. Yeah, exactly. I don't think there's anything you can do to be like, let's nurse that, this Achilles. And, 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 and that's why I think that, you know, uh, I think the Rockets are going to be sellers. I think everybody out of the Rockets, like, I think they're going to sell everything. Who do the Rockets have to sell? I mean, they got Ola Depot. They got John Wall. They got Daniel Howe. They got they got players they can get some Did you with. just mention Horny Man Dan as a sales? <laughs> 3 and D. Gibbs, you were brave about his 3 and D capabilities, though. He is. He, okay, first of all. You could get, get a second we round got- pick. Pause. We cannot say three and D when also referring to him as horny man. I feel like I feel like that's just we we against the law for saying that. No, but seriously though, um, that Daniel House is just he's I agree he's a great three and D piece in today's NBA. Three and D is invaluable. It really is. It really is a guy who is not ball dominant, who's going to produce, uh, who's going to put some points on the board, and who uh, who you know play some defense as well. It really is invaluable because you don't got to give them huge contracts. They're not going to uh, mess with your stars or anything like that. So, and he knows his role. So, I, yeah, I, I agree. They do. Have I, I think. I think the Raptors should sell. Uh, they they they're gonna be a middle of the pack team regardless. Right. They have to build through the draft. Nobody's going to Toronto on free agency unless <laughs> unless you offer them two hundred twenty eight million dollars that they don't have. <laughs> so, no, like literally, no one's going to go to Toronto. Yeah. For, so then, I think they should sell everything. Don't think I don't agree with them building around Van Vliet and Siakam because I don't think that get that keeps you middle of the pack as well. But I do. Hey, think, stop lying, dog. You're not gonna be in the middle of the pack with Siakam as a, a centerpiece. You I mean, you, you in the East in the East games in the East you will be okay. That's fair. You will be, be a six seven seed in the East. Right. You right. You'll be five five seed every season. Right, I'll tell you this: Siakam is not four pf. He is just not four pf. <laughs> so so quick question for Chris though. 
the in order for the Lakers to buy, they have to give up a piece and possibly picks in order to get anything. Who do you get rid of if you're the Lakers to try to get possibly another almost all-star level player in there? Oh, I give a THT and um, Kyle Kuzma if I have to. I give a okay. Both so you're looking at a total of about okay. I think they could pull off something with about that's about 15 million. I think they could try to pull something off of it. They, I, they I, have to throw. You can. You can. 15 million can get you a Drew Holiday type player. 15 million. Like, you got to throw something else in there. I think, I you think throw they, they, they got to put Schroeder up. They got Drew Holiday make up. about 19, 20 million. You could get. You can get. You can get. I think you keep Schroeder, but I mean, just Lakers. If you can get those some picks and give up THT and Kyle Kuzma, and go get go get a big or another guard, I think you're in business. That's a little bit more insurance. I'll, I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this, and I'm a, I'm gonna talk about them because I've talked about it before, and I can't talk about them no because I don't like them because <laughs> they made my long shots ugly. The Cavs are always selling. They sell everything. They will sell you every time you bet on them. So you best believe they're going to sell Kevin Love. This and you know what? You know the worst part about the Cavs? They only sell when it no longer makes sense to sell. It made sense to sell Kevin Love two years ago. It made a lot of sense. Now, who going to buy him? Who? Right. Who? Hey, and, and they still they still got Drummond warming up the bench over there. He hasn't got bought out yet. He has yeah. not been bought out yet. It, again, the Cavs always are going to do what makes the least amount of sense. The fact that you have had no suitors for Andre Drummond, I know you're not working hard as a GM. You right. can't get anybody in the league to buy a 2020 machine. And the last team I think should go all in this season just because of their health. Um, I think the Miami Heat should go all in. I say if you got to give up a hero, you you do it. You do it. Because no, Jimmy no. Brothers window only this long, and Bam is on a big contract now. You got to get the work for that big contract before Bam starts to deteriorate. I mean, he might now not. Now watch this. Oh, huh? Now watch this. The Heat would be a perfect example of if I'm the Cavs and I want to get rid of Drummond, the Heat have good team defense. They do not have a great interior protector. You call the cat you if I'm the Cavs, I'm calling the Heat. What can what will it take for y'all to come get Andre off our hands? What will it take? We'll, or Kevin we Love. Want, or Kevin Love. One or the other. <laughs> I think we got a free culture Leo Linick. Oh, there we go. Huh? No, we just had a we had a little uh connection issue there. I don't know if y'all had it. Oh, okay. The the Heat had Kelly Olenek playing good defense, dog. Kelly Olenek playing good defense. Duncan Robinson. <laughs> Duncan Robinson connected to people's hip like he was Gary Payton or something. I'm joking. No disrespect to the glove. No disrespect. But you get my point, though. Duncan Robinson was actually keeping up with dudes out there. And, and you're telling me that if you're the Cavs, you're not saying you can get a 22 machine that will also protect the rim if he come down there. He don't want to play defense here. Y'all can make him play defense. Come get him. Come get him. All you got to give me is a first and a second two years from now. You telling me the Heat wouldn't take that? All you got to give me, uh, who, who they got coming off the bench right now? Who, um, Kendrick Nunn. Uh, <laughs> yeah. All you got to give me is Kendrick Nunn and a first and a second two years from now. And you mean to tell me that the Heat is like, nah. Ain't no now, if they don't got the money, I understand that. I understand that because Andre do got to have Bam contract don't kick in until next year. 
So, so to me, you got to be a fool in the hat. In the words of Denzel Washington in uh, Fences, you got to be the biggest fool on the scene to not have nothing lined up for a former all-star or uh, a perennial all-star in Kevin Love and Andre Drummond. Kevin Love, I understand. Blow the contract. He don't play much defense. He's getting older. Sure. Andre Drummond, he's really like, people don't talk about it, but he's still basically at his peak. Like he still has not yeah. come down off his peak. And you telling me you can't find nobody to buy? The Cavs are going to sell you every time, every single time. <laughs> now, when I'm looking at teams that should be buying, the Kings. Kings need to be buying whatever is available. Let me tell you why. De'Aaron Fox, not going to get no younger. And he's not old by any means. I'm not saying that. Right. However, when he hits his prime, I need him to be surrounded with the pieces already. I need him to have chemistry with the pieces already so there's no like, okay, De'Aaron is really good now, but now he's got to figure out how to jail with this guy, how to jail with this guy. No, how the guy's already in place. The Kings need to be buying. The Clippers, the Clippers need to be buying. They, they need, need a point buying. guard bad. They need a point guard bad. And that's why I said they need to be buying. They need to figure out some way to get a facilitator on that floor because Pat Bev is not a facilitator. Lou Will is not a facilitator. Uh, uh, the Kawhi is not a facilitator. PG is not a facilitator. And they they've been having to play those roles. One, like, they've been forced to. One thing that I think I haven't really put this into consideration up until now, um, we actually just had it in the chat. One thing that could help the Clippers a lot, and there's two young pieces that they can get that would help them a lot, they got the pieces to go to the Pelicans and get Lonzo and Jackson Hayes, which fills two roles that they desperately need. A big body down exactly. low and somebody that knows how to pass the basketball. Exactly. Exactly. So to, to mean, me, again, the Clippers are a poverty franchise, and we see why. We see why. <laughs> they are they are basically the Cavs who have happened to luck into some better players. Like that's that's really what it's happened. <laughs> and the the, you, the Cavs you with palm the, trees. The Cavs with palm trees. You wanna know <laughs> you wanna know the sickest part about it? People will say I'm being disrespectful in saying that, but let's look at a few objective measures. Who has the most finals appearances? Clippers Slender. I'm here who for it. The, I love it. Who has the most conference finals between the two? Who has the most championships between the two? Who has the most all-stars between the two? Even if you take away LeBron, who still has the most of all those things? The Facts like, Facts podcast has as many conference appearance and conference finals appearances as the Clippers. Thank you. Thank you. We work so hard. <laughs> we work so hard. You know, uh, Chris has been doing it all on the wing. Guyton has been controlling the pace like an excellent point guard. And me, I just do the banging down low. We're thankful to have as many conference finals appearances <laughs> as the Clippers. We we are all on the East Coast. So, of course, it's Eastern Conference, but it's still a conference finals uh, appearance that is as relevant as the Clippers. So, thank you all for being here for that. We appreciate you for being along for the ride. <laughs> but, I, I also uh, think the, uh, the, the Clippers' problem, one of their main problems is they don't have a motivator in there. So, and the pro- part of that problem is not having a point guard. When I mean, you have a point, like th- think if the Clippers would have got Rondo. Yeah. Just think oh, if sure. the Clippers would have got sure. Rondo this year. Rondo's a coach on the floor. Rondo yeah. would have had them guys running. Yeah. You see what yep. I'm saying? And the, like, and the only thing that can negate Rondo is a young star who thinks they know it all, which didn't he go to the Hawks? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And he ended up with one of those and Trey Young Jacking him up from 30 feet like he was LaMelo in high school or something. <laughs> like, not 30 feet, 35, 40 feet logo like he's Dame or something. And somehow Lonzo has more made three-pointers than him 
uh, up to the All-Star break this year. So that's always fun. But with that being said, we're going to move on past some past the NBA buyers and sellers to the NFL's biggest buyer by a mile. The Patriots have spent $162.5 million in free agency this year. Now, for those of you who don't think that that's a ridiculous number, let me put this in context for you. The Patriots were bought by Robert Kraft in 1994 for $174 million. So just think about that for a second. The team was purchased about 30 years ago for the price that they spent in free agency this year alone. So with that being said, what do y'all think is prompting the Patriots to be spending like this? Because uh, Bomani Jones of ESPN loves a phrase for the, the Patriots. He used to say they love an open box special, meaning they only got veterans when they would be cheaper than what their actual value was. Now they out here, they spending like, like they, I mean, like, like offset just divorced Cardi and took half a bread or something. <laughs> All right, so I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go first just because I'm like honestly I'm out here in Boston and that's all they've been talking about at work. So the thing is, somebody put in perspective at work for me the other day. Belichick sees Brady and says, "Brady on his way out. I'm on my way out. I could spend this money now, and I don't care what they do with the money when I'm gone. If it's spent, it's spent." So Belichick is in the mindset of, "Why am I saving still? I'm retiring soon." So Belichick went out there and made it right. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and everybody out here is saying they're going back to the old Patriots football with the two big tight ends. You see the two Absolutely. picks they got. Yeah. So John I, Smith and Hunter Henry. Yes, sir. Yep, yep. So I think that the Patriots are going to try to go back to what was winning them games. Right. I think they were starstruck saying, oh, we lost Brady. What do we do? And I think Belichick looked in the mirror and said, listen, you were a lot of the mastermind behind Tom Brady. You can you can still do this. So I think mm-hmm. that's what his reasoning was for spending all this money. Belichick was like, "Look, I'm still I'm gonna show prove my worth." And he went out there and spent some money. And I think the Patriots. Let's not forget the Patriots still found a way to win games when they had the most players opt out because of COVID. Yeah. They also had their quarterback get bitten by the COVID bug. Yes. They also had Absolutely. other players on the team get bitten by the COVID bug. And they also just had a whole reconstruction in the whole roster. Yeah. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. So I like what the Patriots did. I you know what? Chris Chris been in Boston too long. He's gonna start pronouncing <laughs> khakis and car keys real similarly, man. But he's right. He's right. You he got some points. Guys, what are you thinking, man? What do you make of this Patriots payday that they pay uh handing out? Um, so so I think uh, basically the Patriots and Belichick are, are out to prove themselves that they can win without Brady. And honestly, mm-hmm. I think they put themselves in a position to do so. Just like Chris said, they had so many players opt out last year due to COVID, and they were still a solid team. Like, I think if that team was healthy and everybody played together as a cohesive unit throughout the season, we would have at least seen them in the playoffs, if not win maybe a few games in the playoffs. Right. Um, right. So I think all they really did was address their biggest issues. They're giving Cam another chance, which we saw Cam play decent football considering the situation that was happening in, in New England. I still think Cam has a lot left in the tank and they loaded up they loaded up on weapons for him so they could play some hard nosed football and it's not, you know, just deep routes the whole game. They can get some of those check downs and stuff that they're used to with the Patriots yeah. offense. Yeah. On top of that, uh one shining one shining uh part of their team last year was their defense. And all they did was was bolster their defense in this situation. They were ranked uh seventh in defense last year, I believe. 
mm-hmm. out of every team and they weren't healthy all the way. So all they're doing is just reinforcing what Patriots football already is. They're just putting a little bit of money behind it because you were in a situation in years past to where guys bought onto that Patriots lifestyle. So you can get, you know, a guys that come in for a little bit less money or you had Brady. I was able to bail you out of certain situations where you didn't have those weapons per se. Right, right, right. And, and you know what? I look at this. I look at what the Patriots have done at free agency this year, and I see one very simple thing here. They have realized we have to keep up with modern times. Like, at the end of the day, it is a thing of the past to say, oh, we're going to get everyone below their value because they want to win, right? Right. The junior Seals of the world who went there and hit the end of his career, God rest his soul, the Rodney Harrisons of the world, uh, the, 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 there really was a, a plethora of older guys who all went there and made it happen. Let me say this. Hey, Patriots, I know I can't play three tech no matter put on a little bit of weight. I can still play some nose. You know what I mean? If y'all want to throw me a bag, I, I got you, Bill. I got <laughs> you. You know what I mean? Like both eight guys will be covered. But no, nah, seriously, um, the, the fact of the matter is they know now that even the veterans need money. Right. Right. If you look at Jared Cook, for example, everywhere that Jared Cook has went, even though he's been a veteran tight end for the last three to four years, people consider him a high level veteran, but not like he's a superstar. He's gotten paid his last two, three stops. So what what does that mean? It means that there's lesser of this. Oh, I'll take a pay cut to win than it is like, hey, at the end of the day, I'm tearing my body apart. Y'all got to pay me. And the right. Patriots are now realizing, you know what? We we got to pay these guys. And that's that's just what that's going to be. And they've had success with it in the past. And so now they're doing it again. And honestly, I don't see how you get Matt Judon, John o. Smith, and Hunter Henry. I Wow. What a free agency class that is. Yeah. And uh, we'll, we'll see how it comes together. But those are three huge gets for uh, the quote-unquote Patriot way.